0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 343 on Tuesday, the 14th of July, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where most are getting very excited about something we'll never have, we'll be asking if the fallout financially from Dieselgate will ever, ever end. We talk about sad news from Suzuki, and we look at how British gas is going all in on electricity. But first... Let's get to this VW dieselgate follow-up. And it's quickly that yes, it's the news that a Austrian court has tried to find out from the EU's well, I want to put this in the correct one, the Court of Justice from the EU whether Volkswagen can have court cases against them in the territories where the vehicles are bought in Europe as opposed to where the company is domicile, because typically that's what would happen. And it's to do with cases of tort, and I don't know enough about legal side of things to know the difference between tort and not and all that sort of stuff, and I don't want to bore everyone.
0: I have no idea. No,
1: I, I know there is a difference, but essentially for our purposes, the EU has said, yes, in instances where there is claims of class action type stuff for damages they can be held in the location where the car was bought so that's free reign for everyone all the countries of europe
0: (laughs) but this isn't a big deal i mean even as volkswagen said said here that the judgment changed little for plaintiffs defendants and courts in the proceedings and they said outside of austria the question of jurisdiction is hardly hardly arisen yeah i don't think this makes any difference whatsoever it's just a legal thing.
1: I just think it will be another, another push for those who've uh, thought about doing it to get together and do a class action.
0: The, the hocus pocus class actions, by the way. Speaking, of, that's the Renault and Nissan one. And it's not called hocus pocus, but you know who I mean. Yeah. The the the, um, the Not lawyers. giving them
1: their proper name
0: behind it. Uh, no, uh, not giving them free airtime. So yeah, I mean their Twitter adverts are relentless. Yes, Instagram. And Android, reported. So, real, <laughs> relentless, really. I'm at that stage. If I get many more, I'm, I'm bored of I have of started
1: reporting when I've seen them. And the one who's doing the Mercedes diesel one. It's the same lot. Is it because I didn't see the name on that one. I just saw.
0: It uh, no, this. it's the same one. It's right. the same one. It, it's all related to the same uh, engine set. So, uh, yeah, I'm at the stage where I've just like, are you that desperate that you're having to advertise on social media platforms to get people for yes, your class action? Is the answer. Exactly. So, it, it's, so it's ambulance chasing. Anyway, should we move on to uh, one more little piece of legal shenanigans? Yes. There'd been a, a, a court case we've been watching. We talked about it a while ago that General Motors had brought against FCA against Fiat Chrysler, and it was all about uh, the cost of uh, unionized labor yep. and setting prices, and, and General Motors believed that FCA had colluded with the unions to push up the price, to, to, to basically push up labor costs for General Motors. The U.S. District Judge Paul Borman, who has been incredibly bored on the way through this and previously <laughs> basically just told, well, actually did tell mary barra of gm and mike manley from fca to meet in person and to just resolve it in person please and obviously they didn't uh or they didn't manage to has has thrown the, the the case out and is just saying no look this is going to be a waste of time and resources for years to come uh there's no real merit to this
1: to be fair he has been a bit specific about why he said that on first inspection it looks like a bit of a case because GM is basing a lot of their argument on leaked emails and from whistleblowers who have admitted to doing things allegedly. Mm -hmm. We're going to be heavy on the alleged here because this case is still going to go to court.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Uh, One of the arguments was that they had to pay too much for the labour price, but the judge said, well, it'd be so difficult to say that you would have negotiated a better price. Mm-hmm. and to what degree you've been damaged as well that's just he basically said that's too tricky for us to work out was reading between the lines of one of them and the other one was that they uh, he said yeah but you've gone and proved that you had a separate negotiation and you got a a, a separate price all on your own so to say that you were inhibited from negotiating prices is not true either because you've already, you've proved you've done it. Mm-hmm. This case uh, GM is not happy I think is the polite way of putting it. They are very dischuffed and they are going back to court for this. Actually on that point that you said about the judge saying that uh, people were it was going to use up too much time in these mm. in these and that they should meet privately. He has been censured for that and he had no legal basis in which to <laughs> to make that ruling or
0: recommendation. So yeah, it's it's one of these tough ones, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's going to go on. It's like some of the suits in the background, I'm sure.
1: We know we know what's going to happen is that the lawyers are going to get very rich.
0: Yeah, that's the only possible positive outcome for for anyone and and if it's positive for lawyers it's probably not very positive for anyone else.
1: The last quick bit of follow up and last week we talked about the uh, top 25 hacks on automotive uh, systems and we gave you the extra one from ian table talking about the vulnerability he found in his ds5 now what i didn't make clear but he does in his article which all of you who have clicked through which will be everyone obviously because you always click through on the links in the show notes because you're very good listeners but if you if you by some freak occurrence have not clicked through on that uh, i didn't make it clear that this vulnerability was across all Uh, PSA vehicles of the same era that had the same SMEG 4.2 plus head unit. Thank you, Ian, for just making sure that I was correct. Appreciate that.
0: We all have to try and make sure that that's the case. Yes.
1: Let's go back to
0: Volkswagen, Alan. (laughs) Ah, yes, some new news for Volkswagen. It's it's musical executives uh, once again in Volkswagen, uh, according to Handelsblatt, the German newspaper. It's, uh, yeah, VW's Shifting people around. So, uh, first up is Christian Senga, who is the software division boss. Now, so many automotive companies are pivoting and declaring themselves software companies. Well, it's not really been working out very well so far because there have been a number of software issues uh, regarding the ID3 and its drivetrain and also the uh, Golf Mark 8, as well as what's described here uh, on Carscoops as clashes with the company. Um, Senga's ex BMW, so that's an unusual thing to be brought in from outside of Volkswagen. Mm. So uh, next up is Andreas Renschler, uh, who was in charge of Traton Trucks unit. So he's gone. He's former Mercedes. Yep, and also Stefan Sommer, uh, who's the former CEO of the auto supplier ZF well, there we go then, Uh, who's left his position as Procurement Chief for Volkswagen.
1: It's almost as though there's a theme developing here, Alan.
0: Yes, people from outside Volkswagen don't work the same way as Volkswagen does, given that Volkswagen is mostly governed and run by people who started in Volkswagen and have worked their way up through Volkswagen. I'm going to let you decide and not go too much into work mode, about why that might be the case and if that is necessarily a good thing for an organization Mm -hmm. just generally you know (laughs) but it's not just volkswagen volkswagen is it that's got people shifting around
1: no bernard meyer is leaving skoda he moved across in 2015 from porsche but at the end of the month he's going so if he's given till the end of the month that looks like an to me an agreed right it's time to move on Type move it does, than, doesn't it? Because when he was mentioned, this and this move was mentioned, a lot of people immediately went, ooh, JLR are desperate for a new boss, and they want someone from a big company. Ooh, isn't this a good fit?
0: Uh, yes, but would they not have to spend a bit more time gardening first?
1: Exactly. That's what I think as well. Plus, if you go to the bottom of the Autocar article, which will be linked in the show notes, it looks like, again, reported in Handelsblatt, that there's been conflict within the group because Skoda has encroached upon certain (laughs) Volkswagen... Skoda's been
0: being a bit good to yes. be honest i Being think that bit that's bit
1: good the challenge. and cheaper or yes. less expensive
0: so people have started to question other volkswagen brands
1: which is a which is just something we've always said though about rebadging
0: yeah, yeah. this is what happens
1: yeah so uh, why uh, that it's a shock to anyone or that if anyone in the if that's happened in the group and on the board and they've got surprised and upset about it you've got to think, what have you been doing?
0: <laughs> this has been happening over many years. Yeah. It's been completely visible over many years to those of us who are outside of, of I don't know, I don't know how close you have to be to not realise, um, but those of us who are g- generally outsiders to this. And it's it's weird that this seems to have been sort of noticed now. What always amazes me, because, I mean, well, Volkswagen at one point were looking at having yet another sub-brand. Yeah. To make a much cheaper car, which always puzzles me whenever your main car, whenever the main organization, the group is called People's Car. kind of strikes me that that would be the car for the people. It's a bit weird, that one. So I actually, you know, after the end of last week's show and then reading the news on the Wednesday, because as always, everything changes on the Wednesday because we've just recorded and put out a show. I was almost expecting us to be talking about a new JLR CEO this week. Yep. At the time, at this, at, so Wednesday morning last week, uh, that's what I thought. Oh well, this one could be this could be a topic that uh, on the show.
1: I mean, he potentially is a good fit.
0: He is he potentially yeah, absolutely built, but but I don't know. Where, um, Especially as they've got a,
1: plants opening up in
0: Eastern Europe, Slovakia, yeah. 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 So yeah, but if you're moving for oh, I don't know, I don't to have to teach someone well, who's built. So oh uh, yeah, that's a win, I suppose. I don't know. Don't know at all. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't say that, should I? No, well, actually, according to my information, you should, we're not you quite be, You should be opinionated. We're not ready to make a decision yet. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm not nearly <laughs> as <nastishly> opinionated <laughs> enough. I do have an opinion on something, though. Go on, then. And that is, quite frankly, that the 93 grams per kilometre uh, European range average is killing all the interesting cars.
1: I know. I read this story, and it made me start to seriously consider how much do I actually care about the environment? Mm.
0: There is a little bit of that, isn't there? Because, well, the story, we haven't actually said what story is. The story is that uh, Suzuki are basically going to stop selling the Jimny in the UK. Uh, they're going to fill any orders that be made uh, over the next four to five months, and then they're going to stop selling the Jimny here. It's not because they can't sell it. It's not because they don't want to sell it, but it makes such an impact on their fleet CO2 emissions uh, and is going to put them uh, above the 93 grams per kilometre for the fleet, that, that they, simply, they simply can't. They simply can't sell it in the UK because of their range mix, and possibly not across much of Europe.
1: Until they can get those hybrids that they're working in collaboration with uh, Toyota on.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, the replacement is going to be the Across, which is a RAV4 that's slightly less cross-looking. I mean, it's it's a Rav Four with a different grill. It's amifed. It's amifed. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't know. It's still a bit narked. Okay, I'd say it's a, a bit narked. Knock. Not yeah, not outright angry. Okay, like the like like the Rav Four. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a silver one in town that's got that looks absolutely superb, and this little old lady, a properly old lady, blue rinse the full works, and she. She's put the back seats down, and she just uses a two-seater, potters round in in town with it, and it's just absolutely brilliant. Well done. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Such a shame the rest of us can't.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, when you die, can I buy it, please? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right, well, talking of the environment, British Mm. Gas has now placed the largest electric van order in the UK – and they've done it with Vauxhall for their Vivaro e-vans. They've placed an order for 1,000 all-electric vans. And that is the first step in them converting their entire 12,000 vehicle fleet to be electric only, or electrifying, sorry, electrifying because their fleet does include larger vehicles, which yeah. will not be electric even by 2030.
0: <laughs> no, not pure electric. <laughs> maybe anyway.
1: hy- maybe um, hydrogen, but not, not pure electric, which is a... A um, brilliant coup for Vauxhall.
0: Yes, I think so. Did you notice, by the way, there was another little piece of news came out saying they've started a third, a third shift at Luton on the van line. Well, that's great news. Which builds the Vivaro, Dispatch, and Expert. I don't know if the E models are actually made in Luton. I think that's that's good news. Yeah. I, I'm quite pleased with this because I felt that for many years PSA have lagged behind well, Renault, obviously Renault and Nissan, because they've been very forthright with the, the number of electric vans that they have certainly for the the french post office mm. most of those are electric now yeah or at least that's what it seems like in burgundy well this of
1: model of van that this is based on i had the uh, citroen space tourer for a week uh, and they're mm-hmm. they're a great vehicle they are a, a, a super vehicle, so i imagine as a and that's just to carry people
0: which is the posh passenger version of the dispatch
1: yeah which so. which i would imagine must be and they are really competitively priced as well so i'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad they're doing well because it's a i think it's a decent product okay we're sticking with very environmental
0: this week we are a little bit because we've got an environmental one coming up later on too but yes <sighs> This is a bit of a weird story. I, I don't It's one of these stories where I sort of grind my teeth a little bit. There has been a report.
1: It's from a consultancy of transport for quality of life an environmental consultancy.
0: Using data collected by Highways England and it says that road plans will scupper CO2 targets. Well, no, it won't scupper the targets.
1: Well, no, that's that's the headline in the BBC.
0: Yes. <laughs> What is, sorry? That's that. That's why I don't uh, grinding my teeth at the story. Really, the report essentially says that eighty percent of the CO two savings from cleaner cars will be negated by twenty seven billion pounds worth of planned road programming, and says that ministers want green recovery cash be better spent on public transport, walking, cycling, and remote working hubs.
1: Bet they didn't have remote working hubs until March onwards in their plan. Because most people didn't, did they?
0: No, no. People like Re- Regis and stuff are all starting to rub their hands together.
1: I do feel a little bit miffed that we've been hollering about this for years, and these yeah. people come, up, oh, of course it's obvious. They go, well, you didn't talk about it before. It's
0: only obvious now that people who work for some of these organisations can work from home. Mm. But yes, I said some of the emissions would come from the construction of new roads, obviously. More would be created by increased vehicle speeds. And there's a lot of... And they point out that electric cars continue to increase local air pollution through particles eroded from brakes and tires. If you're driving an EV properly...
1: This is why I selected this. I knew. Is because oh, we takes. have talked about this, thanks to Alex Grant, friend of the shoe, uh, mm. because of his work in investigating this. And oh, who's the consultancy who, I can't remember their name now. Emission Analytics, is it? I think it was. They've yes. been doing work into this as well, uh, which I think is what Alex has picked up on. And I think we're going to see that mentioned more and more as that as a as a problem becomes well or better known. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't. I don't think we have a full idea of how bad a problem it is, though.
0: Can we just remember though that it's not just electric cars and the buses and all these other things? Uh, buses and trucks emit significantly more yep. than cars do so whilst people are going and ma- measuring the particles per million of of tire particles they're not necessarily just from cars it is road traffic not just cars
1: yeah but uh, but i think we can see that it was always going to be a report looking at things from a particular angle when it's the the organization is called transport for quality of life that's not a organisation that is focused on private car ownership. Is
0: it the lead author is a, a lady called Lynn Sloman, and she moved on to say that, that that Ms. Sloman, who works for a consultancy, who works regularly as a consultant for the Department of Transport, read into that what you will, says uh, sustained lobbying for more money for roads, leaving less for public transport, cycling, walking is one of the reasons we now face a climate emergency. We can't afford anymore to indulge this toad of toad hall model of mindless road building i think when you're spinning it like that which is the sound bite that she wanted taken from it and i've just repeated it um is is not really there's a certain point of view that leads you to that
1: okay i mean if we if we but if you if you do pick a little bit of the rhetoric or a lot of the rhetoric and whatever from that it is true that public transport doesn't get as funded as well as it should um it is Because I know that there are lots of bus companies that are looking, you know, there's been lots of, there's the Arriva bus or Rival bus has been shown off and stuff like that. And I've talked to a few people from companies and they've said, oh, that's fabulous. How are we supposed to afford that at the minute?
0: There's a challenge with, there's an absolute challenge with that in that so much of the public transport uh, cash is uh, sucked up by a very few large companies who are well known for their ability to suck up government cash, Mm. from Perth and Aberdeen being the two that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: (laughs) I am going to move us on. We're going to stay with local government this time. And it is the news that the local councils – Due to no one going out and parking and paying monies at metres, but also the council saying, hang on, we're not charging for any parking for a while, looks like there's going to be a hole in the region of 885 million across the country in their purses.
0: Can I make a quick observation? Go on then. I love that the autocar picture here, or the picture used by autocar here, depicts Heathrow long-stay parking, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> if ever there was anything where where they are definitely reaming it in with parking charges, it's Heathrow Airport. <laughs>
1: but this eight hundred and eighty five million that all councils across the country would have benefited from is a significant hole to an already squeezed budget. And the problem <laughs> with this is that it's that councils are stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. They need to encourage people to go back to shopping because we've all discovered Actually, we can do a lot of this online, or we can you know even with local companies, we can order online and get it delivered, et cetera et cetera so we don't need to go out as much and there are i know it's hard to believe if you actually have to pass a town or a slightly urban area, but there are still people fearful and nervous about going into shops and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> with or without masks, and <laughs> it's don't go there with masks. Do no, I can't. No, I can't fathom that one. So the councils are trying to encourage people to go back into into shops and spend money in, in local areas because we need to get the money moving again. But equally, if they start to put prices back in on parking, that's an easy excuse for some to go. Well, I, I I can't afford. You know, I I can do the shopping or I can do the parking for some. Or it's like, well, no, I can't be bothered paying, or I don't want to be touching the thing, or whatever it is. It, it's just a, a, another excuse not to. And mm-hmm. I think it's not going to be long before councils are forced to do it whether they want to or not. I know our our local council has said we're still keeping the price out at the moment. However, if people start to abuse this, we will introduce it again because our town centre was already struggling as many yeah. are across the country. And they are just, just desperate to get people back in uh, and confident enough to come out and go into the shop. So as much as I put the boot in to councils and stuff, this is this is not an easy situation to be in.
0: No, this is a really tough one. And I think it's, it's yeah, I I, I have real sympathy with councils on this. Hmm.
1: But one point that was made actually, um, that is, is worth noting, it's right at the bottom of this Autocar article, article from Jack Cousins uh, from the AA, is just a little bit of a hint of hang on, if you're going to ban cars, don't forget you lose this income stream.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, it, it, without not wishing to put the boot into any anyone at the moment because we're all struggling, but it's just it's just a it, it is a good quick reminder there are always consequences to your actions, and you mm-hmm. just have to accept that that's suitable consequence.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a really fair observation to make as well.
1: Right, I think for now, that's the end of the first part.
0: It is. That brings me neatly to guilt minute, as one does... The point in the show we remind you to think about and consider what the Motoring Podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button uh, there on the front page. If you're already a patron, and especially if you're a new patron, then thank you so very much indeed. Yes, thank you. We understand that not everyone has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice you've done all that and you absolutely rock so how about costing a friend who you think would enjoy this or one of our special editions and telling them all about us if for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show how about doing so for free Uh, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss out on the next new show Just building on that bit about subscribing and linking and stuff. I'm trying a new way of linking to stuff when we, uh, the the tweets and social media posts uh, together about uh, an episode, which takes people straight. It should take people straight into the correct podcast player for their mobile platform. If you can try it and just let me know that it works for you, that would be really, really good. I mean, I know that it works for me. I know that it works for Andrew, but we both use the same platform. Yeah. for stuff, so it'd be nice to have independent verification. The thing is that if it didn't really work, then I'm sure you guys would tell us quickly enough like the people who caught me when I put up Friday's special edition and it was up and then down again within two minutes with me thinking, oh, nobody will have clicked then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, folks. As Shame. Long as well, it's not working. So, oh, it should be working now.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Anyway, formally. <laughs>
1: On, take us through to Mission Control Centre. I know.
0: I thought this sounds so much more impressive than it actually kind of is.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Formula E is cracking down on the use of teams' mission controls.
1: Well, FIA
0: is. Well, the FIA is. Yes, exactly. They're going. That's to how bad them. it is.
1: The FIA are involved. It's not even just Formula E.
0: <laughs> I know, and it means it means the FIA should do something. So, <laughs> essentially, there's an issue that seems to be coming to light where where some or many teams bring more people than they're meant to bring to a race weekend and whilst they never come into the track and into the circuit they may or may not rent a hotel room or two nearby and do some sort of mad sort of almost on-venue engineering-y work uh, from these hotel rooms
1: just makes me think of the the sort of last third of oceans 11 where they've got the hotel suite where they're all sitting watching the video cameras and it's coming through on the microphone
0: (laughs) well that was what that's what entered my mind that's 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 exactly what i envisage but yes it's it seems that that's becoming a, a challenge so for 2020 to 2021 world championship uh so that's the next one teams will only be allowed to have one remote garage brackets operational room outside the confines of the circuit. And that the single facility can only be used for assistance with data analysis and strategy development allowed for competitors. So no third party engineering capabilities nearby. Uh, you're only allowed six people in the remote garage from one hour before the start of the first practice session of the race day, of each competition until three hours after the start of the race and that special FIA monitoring systems will be put in place that have to be working at all times during that defined period. What's that?
1: I See, this, I is, this really is the know. bit where I think it falls over. I was
0: fine up until that bit. And it's it like, like,
1: you, there's no way you can police that, because you can't block signals because you'll be blocking the that, cars. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Because if you say, well, you must stipulate which room you're going to be in, fine, we just won't tell you about the lot in the hotel next door that we've put in. <laughs>
0: surely 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 they will have dealt with this in formula one before so we'll know how to go about dealing with it
1: what they've also added as well is that there's going to be three fewer operational passes passes on track so there's only going to be 17 personnel allowed on the race Mm -hmm. in the race venue
0: there's lots of new stuff by the way about numbers of brake disc sets uh Also, around uh, the amount of spare bodywork that can be taken along. Uh, and this is all to reduce shipping impacts and costs and stuff, because obviously it's expanding.
1: Well, now they don't have those ridiculous corners. There's, there's less crashing.
0: Well, yeah, well, that's the idea.
1: Unless they're going to go back to iRacing as well.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that, that caused them more hurt than anything else, really, at times. The very last line of this I, I noticed uh, on this story from the race. Uh, dot com is that there's going to be a deadline for race driver nominations should be the December the 11th and an increase in entry fees from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand euros per competitor.
1: Wow, that's a jump.
0: Doubling of entry fees.
1: I know it's going to be a World Series or exactly. a, World a World Championship, Championship. but blind me, doubling price? it is. Yeah, in this economic climate,
0: <laughs> of all of this, as I scrolled, as as I was reading through this earlier, I thought, "Wow, I'm surprised nobody's made more of that."
1: No, that's mm.
0: so. We'll see what impacts those are. We've got loads of people committed for next year, so they will have known. I'm sure have known about this at the time of commitment. So obviously, they're happy with it. Fifty thousand is actually quite cheap.
1: Well, yeah, I think that's possibly legacy to get
0: to get people in. Yeah. €50,000 for entry fees is actually is actually a bargain in motorsport terms. I know it hurts me to say that, but yeah.
1: Right, lunchtime read. And this comes from Top Gear and possibly controversial. I don't think it is, but possibly controversial. And it is, change our mind. Hatchbacks don't need manual gearboxes. And when they say hatchbacks, they just mean your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, run-around car. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to let you read it, and I've particularly in the last few years, I have struggled with the argument that it must be manual, and you must use a manual car to be for it to be a proper car, and for you to be a proper driver.
0: Yeah, I'm. I, I you see, I, I've read this, and it's actually by uh, Sam Burnett X of Motor One, and smmt and and i i agree with him to be honest i, do. Uh, I, I really do I, I i like a good auto
1: so many are, so many are so good and they are so much better at changing gear than the fleshy person behind the wheel
0: so my sister got in touch this morning and went what do you think of this and sent me a link to the to a car configurator that she would configured and i said it's all right other than the fact it's a very dull color but the trouble is if she chooses the only interesting color there is then they've got his and hers matching cars on the drive which so i can understand why she doesn't want that (laughs) and and i was like well what about this and what about that what about the next thing and you could take these and she declared i don't want to drum i don't want an automatic because i like changing gears why I was like, all right, fair enough. I find
1: find changing gears to be one of the most tedious parts of driving a car normally day-to-day. This is the
0: person who, who, quote-unquote, I just drive it, uh, but was once caught entering the car park of a very well-known Cambridge tech company, sideways with a dab of Oppo (laughs) in her MX-5. And even whilst she and another colleague stood chatting, in the car park, the car was still going tink, 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 cool down. But she just drives. List of the week has, oh, it has nothing to do with gear changing and quite a lot to do with corners and the kind of cars that Jane would like. And it's, it's a list of 25, of the 25 greatest cars for corners. And as an extra special treat, it is by Major Gav, isn't it?
1: I'm not sure. I, I.
0: Neither am I now. I thought I was, but the page there isn't are major properly. Gav
1: elements and I've wondered whether at, at least some of the cars picked. Maybe it's been a collaborative effort, but he's definitely mm. picked a couple of cars in yeah. here.
0: <laughs> Sorry, it's from motoring research. In case you haven't guessed from that, but yeah, there's some crackers. So, what am I going to choose? Dum, 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 da, dum, 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 dum. Well, uh, what I want to uh,
1: uh, what struck me about this list is that I have really shamefully driven so few of these vehicles
0: uh i agree similarly but there's lots of them on there that i really do want to drive uh, i probably is, hit more there, of them than you uh,
1: yeah i think you i think you do there are so many on this list that i do i don't want to drive all of them but there are so many i do want to drive
0: mm-hmm. so my the one i would pick from here by the way is the bmw M e thirty M three and I've seen lots of people dissing on these recently, on them for being slow. Whereas I just think I don't care. Actually, I just think they're absolutely fantastic looking cars. And S- slow for something handling. that's
1: nearly forty years old, and now uh, a Focus, yards, yeah. a Fiesta ST has like two hundred and whatever ridiculous. Oh HP. come
0: on! I've got a Yaris outside which has which has two hundred and thirteen.
1: Yeah, so... So, yeah. Don't...
0: To me, this was the pinnacle. We had so many E30s when I was growing up, and this was the pinnacle.
1: Mm-hmm. I can
0: see that. that. We never, that obviously, we never had. So, I've got a soft spot for that, and it's they're just... The E30 M3 is such a wonderful car. I would absolutely adore to, take, to get one of those and a good piece of road.
1: Yeah. There are several cars that I've not driven that I'd love to try, but I'm going to mention two. And amazingly, it's me who's going to mention the MX-5, because... Mm-hmm. I, as I said at the time, when I was at the Mazda Driving Day, the the fact that the roof comes off is the least of the things. It is such a great car to drive. Was the thing that really struck me about that, and I didn't. It, the car it could have had a hard top, that wouldn't have mattered to me. That would not have, have removed anything away from my experience of the fact that there wasn't a roof on it. The car is just so wonderful to drive. That it, 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 I just loved it. Uh, but the the other one for me is the uh, original Mini. Ah,
0: oh, wonderful!
1: I had one of these, and it was just superb. Uh, it was just such a oh, so fun. Once I my legs got used to getting cramped after because of the stupid pedal p- angle, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and your back, and the stupid steering wheel angle, and all the other things that are awful about a Mini, but the Mini is just so superb just so really a wonderful thing to drive yeah wonderful thing to drive if you've never never ever driven one do try and drive a properly sorted classic mini
1: yeah there are 22 other cars on this list so we have not given anything away this week
0: <laughs> no i i don't feel i think we've left plenty there and yeah. there's there's some and there's i could talk about so many of them and there's I, some I interesting ones to.
1: as well as ones you would expect so yeah. do do go through that list Right, and finally, and this one that you found, and it's from Cy Browse, who has been on Rearview, he's a friend of the show, and he's actually, I was just say, open the debate, or just mentioning a different aspect that people perhaps don't recognise or know about classic cars when it comes to the environmental side of things. Would you would you say that's fair?
0: I'd say that's fair. I think he's he's got something which is a sort of smoulders away gently, and he's given it a little sort of a little sort of puff to to sort of ignite it a little bit more for the time being, because it was something that came to him when he and and the equally lovely Mrs. Browse were out having a out on a on on a Potter, yeah, in their in their classic triumph,
1: yeah, and and he discusses how much or how little fuel he actually uses on just over a 100 mile trip and you're just saying well you know not all cars burn lots of fuel etc so perhaps they're not all dreadful particularly if they're maintained and looked after and i know that then there are more and you know complicated elements to come into the whole keeping a classic car running is that better for the environment or getting rid of that and buying a new one with modern construction or uh, production methods and sourcing of materials and how that's maintained over its life etc etc but it is just another reminder that not everything's you know right or wrong they the they're all, they're all shades of gray in all this mm-hmm. and there's we have to look at many different aspects of these things we can't just go off a headline and say that's the answer in 140 characters or whatever
0: yeah exactly well, it's two hundred and sixty now, or something. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, uh, and 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 I agree. And and I, I I enjoyed this partly because it's just just sorry chatting at the camera. Yep. Um, but it's only four minutes. Strongly recommend you go have you follow the link from the show notes is probably easiest. Yep. And I'm not just saying that to get the clicks. It just probably is.
1: It will take you straight to that video. So yes, can't get much easier than that.
0: No, we do our best parish notes this week special edition came out last friday i was chatting to thomas
1: several times yes it did yes
0: the first time i realized i hadn't recorded an intro and an outro before i put it out i'd finished everything else and was all ready to schedule it was just like no i only edited the audio i didn't record the bits i need for the start and the end and then it was accidentally out there were two starts uh, because I got tongue-tied at the end of the first one. So yeah, it it is out, it is there, it's functioning. If you were one of the people at 20 past 8 on Friday morning who discovered the link didn't work during the two minutes in which the link didn't work, then I'm sorry, do, do go back and, and have a listen. Please. It's really interesting. It's all about the the Rotodama uh, project that Thomas is, is, is involved in, uh, recycling all the discoveries, and about the bonus complications you get when you think, okay, we're going to do this. We've got this project, but it might turn into a business. So what we're going to do is from square one, we're going to design this to be limited series manufactured. So we're going to design for manufacture, even if we only make a couple. So how are we going to go about making stuff that's consistent and reasonable and, and safe uh, so that we don't have to sort of tack it on afterwards, and it all become a huge mass of afterthoughts, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Mm. Zoom Zoomers was last night, uh, Monday night, eight o'clock. It's on YouTube, youtube.com slash Zoom Zoomers, I believe.
1: Again, the link is in the show notes to last night's video. Oh, cool!
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Review, Andrew. Suggest an episode.
1: I think episode sixty-four. Uh, Paul O'Neill he's currently doing interviews of BTCC type people although tomorrow night as we record this he's with his co-host or the main man uh, talking about BTCC and the years and all the rest of it but that's on Instagram so take do have a look out for those because they've been excellent he's Obviously, if you've heard the rear view before, yeah, he's great fun, and if you've watched BTCC, you, you'll know he's he's excellent. He's a great host, and he does get people to open up and talk, which is really what you're after if, if you're doing interviews. Something to learn from there uh, for me. So. <laughs> so, but also added uh, on from last week's disappointment. That I was unable to get any assistance to purchase a car or vehicle for the household. Uh, Thank you to everyone who got in touch, uh, who passed on their horror stories, but also uh, quite a few positives that people had to say. You know, instead, even though they didn't, you know, along the lines of, I think John Bradbury was one, he said, I went in and I said I wasn't interested because it wasn't quite right for him. He wanted a different model, and the dealer went, Here's the keys, have a go just get used to the vehicle, came back. Nobody was fussed because he knew he wasn't going to buy it, but he always looks at his stock first when he's looking for a vehicle. So hmm. it's a long-term game. Um, but also thank you to some of the executives from car manufacturers who got in touch to just double-check that it wasn't one of their <laughs> vehicles that i was looking to purchase and was there something they could do to help so thank you very much for everybody who who got in touch about that
0: the one thing that's missing from all of this is there's no resolution
1: yet things are moving but i'm not going to say anything until things have until there is resolution
0: that's perfectly reasonable (laughs) perfectly reasonable
1: because i'm not trusting it until it's outside my house (laughs) (laughs) plenty of time for things to go wrong plenty of time
0: (laughs) So there we go, folks. Don't forget... Don't forget to tune in next week for the next exciting installment of Is There a Car Outside Andrews? Uh, Between now and then, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. And please don't forget about our Patreon, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew what's the best way to get in touch with you
1: best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for crack you should find me there and alan if people would like to get in touch with you what is the best way for them to do that
0: best way for me is via twitter where i'm at ajp bradley that's b-r-e-d-l-e-y we'll be back very soon but until then i've been alan bradley
1: i've been andrew clues
0: and safe motoring